Well, good evening, everybody, and uh, thanks for being here on a Wednesday night. And I'll just let you keep talking, because you're not listening to me. Oh, that, that was good. You, got, you can keep talking. I'm so glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, we've been praying for you. If you're watching online for the first time, we, our, our, for the second or third time, we hope God blesses you tonight. I, I want to, what we normally do on Wednesday night is uh, uh, open up in a song. Then I, somebody usually shares a little devotion or word. That's what I want to do today. And, and then we'll worship, and then we'll take communion together, and then we'll have a little time of prayer. So, so it'll be a good night. So if you have your Bible, I don't have... I've got just multiple scriptures, so it's not one scripture. I'm kind of jumping all around. So I think it'll be good if you are taking notes, you can follow along. But have you ever been talking to somebody and, and, and they weren't there? Like, I get accused of this sometimes that, like Angie will say, you're there, but I'm talking to you and you're looking at me, but you're not listening to me. You're here, but you're not here. And... Uh, Am I the only one? Are there, is there any other men that get accused of that? Do you know that when it comes to God, God can be here, but you're not fully experiencing him, are, are, are encountering him, are sensing him. And you say, why is that? And, and I mentioned it Sunday morning, but there's, there's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. The omnipresence of God means that God's presence is, he's everywhere. Like, let me give you a few scriptures. Uh, Psalms 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. That's the omnipresence of God. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I set on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You're there. It's the omnipresence of God. Here's what Jeremiah said. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and all the earth? God is everywhere. That's who he is. He's, he's the omnipresent present God. But then there's the manifest presence of God. And that's when God's presence is made clear, when it becomes evident, when we're aware of it. There's a difference between God being everywhere and when God is here. The church in Acts chapter 2 was praying and, and as they had been commanded to, and they were going after God and seeking Jesus and, and waiting for the promise that God had, had commanded them to wait for. And the Bible says that, that the wind began to blow and the windows popped open and tongues of fire rested on each, each of their heads. And there was a tangible manifest presence of God. Like they, he, wasn't omnip he was omnipresent, but he was manifest in that moment. In Acts chapter 4, uh, the disciples had just got beat up for preaching about Jesus. They were thrown in jail. They were released. They went back to the church, the house church, to pray. And, and this was their prayer. Sovereign Lord, you've made the heaven and the earth and everything in it. And, and consider their threats, but enable your servants to speak your word with greater boldness. And God, will you just stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs under the name of your holy servant, Jesus? And the Bible says after they prayed, the place where they were was shaken. Like, like they knew the omnipresence of God, but they experienced the manifest presence of God. And there's a big difference. They were made, they were made clear, God's presence. They were made aware of God being there. And I, and I don't know about you, but I'm desperate for that. Like, I don't want to preach. I don't want to gather. I don't want to do life without the manifest presence of God. I know that he's everywhere, but I want to be made of his presence here in this situation, in this moment, in this place. 
You know, I believe, I've always said this, you can build a great church on the power and presence of God. And listen, you need, you, you need empowering leadership to build a great church. You need loving relationships, can't do it without it. You need sound biblical discipleship. You need functioning structures. You need need-oriented evangelism. You need servant volunteers. But I'm telling you, the key, the, the passion, the priority, the cry of the leadership and the people have to be, God, show us your glory, manifest your presence, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In, Mo, in, Ex, in Exodus 33, this is one of my favorite stories, and where we even get this not without his presence, the Israelites were acting up again, and they were, they were being disobedient and disrespectful, and Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments to hear from God, and, and when he came back down, they had built, they had, they had built a gold cow, and they, were, they wanted gods like other nations had God, and they were worshiping this cow. They had just been delivered out of Egypt. They'd been given bread uh, from heaven. They'd been given water from a rock. God had done all those plagues to Pharaoh. They'd seen the miraculous power of God, but, but I don't know, in their rebellion and their lack, I don't know what it was, but immediately when they lost their leader, they went to worshiping something else. And God said, I'm fed up with them. Moses, I love you. You're a man after my heart. You're, you're one of my best friends. That's what he said. I speak to you like a friend speaks to a friend. And you know, God's no respecter of persons. If he did it for Moses, he can do it for me. He can do it for you. God, God wants to be close and intimate. But he said, I'm not going with you to the promised land. I'm going to send a substitute. And you know, uh, many churches are willing to go with a substitute. They're willing to substitute their creativity or, or their, 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 their might or their, their uh, whatever, their ability, their talent, their resources. They're, they're willing to put a substitute in the place of the presence of God. And Moses said, God, I'm not going. Like, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. I would rather stay in the desert with your presence than go into the promised land without your presence. I don't want the promise without your presence. At Clover Hill, I don't want any substitute. I want the presence of God to be here. I don't want to come if God's presence isn't here. I mean this with everything. I'd rather have a church of 20 with the presence of God than a church of 2,000 without it. I don't want to play church and talk about God. I want to encounter and hear from God. And, and I don't want just to, to know the omnipresent God. I want to know the manifest presence of God. And so the omnipresence of God is without conditions. That's just who God is, that he's everywhere. But the manifest presence of God has some conditions. Like it's based on how we respond, how we act, what we do in a lot of ways. It's sovereign. But it's also, there's got to be a hunger. There's got to be a desire. Let me give you a few things where God's presence manifests. You ready for this? I'll go through them quickly. God, do you want it as bad as I do? Do you want to, do you want to experience God on a, on a, do you want to leave this place every time we gather together and say, surely the presence of the Lord was in that place? I mean, you know, that's what's going to save people, heal people, touch people, change people. Good preaching's great. Awesome worship's incredible, whatever. But it's the presence of God. Here's the first thing. Where the word is preached with conviction without compromise, it, it, it ushers in the manifest presence of God. Listen, I realize it's 2022 and values have diminished and morals have decayed and, and, and our culture is very humanistic. 
But I do know God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. The Bible is absolute truth. It's true for all people, for all cultures. It crosses every generation. It crosses every race. If you want to live and be blessed, obey it. If you want to die and be cursed, reject it. But when the Bible is preached as an infallible, inerrant, unchanging word of God, the presence of God will be welcomed. So, so I'm gonna do my best. Anytime a pastor gets up here, a speaker gets up here, we are gonna do our best to preach the infallible, inerrant word of the living God. Here's another thing. The, where, where the Lord is feared with respect and awe, the presence of God manifests. Here's what the Bible says in Acts 9. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened. It was encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. And, and I, I think that's something that as a culture and even as a church, we're, we're missing. The, the early church had a high regard. They had a high respect. They had a high reverence. Here's, here's what fear can do. Fear can enslave you or fear can motivate you. Fear can suppress you or fear can release you. To, I fear God. It doesn't mean I'm afraid of God. God calls me his child. I, I, I'm not afraid of a compassionate, gracious, uh, long-suffering God. I, I'm afraid of mice. I, I hate mice. I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of taking a shower when nobody's home. Like, I got some real fears. <laughs> but I'm not afraid of God. I, like, I'm not afraid of, but I fear God. That, that's what it means. It means to have a respect. He's not giving me a spirit of fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. But I still got to reverence him. I got to respect him. I got to honor him. Listen to this verse. A son honors his father. At least a son should honor his father. And a servant is master. And here's what God says. If I'm your father, where's the honor to me? Like you're calling me God and you're calling me creator, but you're not reverencing me. You're not respecting me. You're not, you're not living in a holy awe of me. If I'm your master, where is the respect or where is the fear do my name? Where, to fear the Lord is to regard him as holy and awesome and great and majestic and powerful. In Acts chapter five, uh, there's a story of Ananias and Sapphira and it precedes obviously Acts chapter nine where they were growing in this fear of the Lord and they were being encouraged and strengthened. They were growing in numbers. And, and in Acts chapter five, Ananias lied to the apostles and he told them he sold a piece of property for X amount of dollars and, and Peter called him out on it. And, and Peter said, why would you lie to us and lie to the Holy Spirit? It's not about the money, just tell the truth. And Ananias, Ananias still didn't come clean and the Bible says that he dropped dead. And his wife came in there a few hours later and they questioned her and, and, and she wouldn't come clean and, and she wouldn't recognize her sin and she continued to lie. And Peter said the same men that carried your husband out are here to carry you out. And she dropped dead and she died. And, and you, you say, that's crazy. But the reality is here's what God was teaching that early church. He means what he says and he says what he means. And I better work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And I better regard him as all-powerful and almighty. And I better respect him as the giver and taker of life. And I better reverence him as the creator and the sustainer. Hebrews 12 says, I better worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe, for God is a consuming fire. And when words started to spread about Ananias and Sapphira and what happened and what took place, the Bible says great fear seized the whole church. There was a holy reverence 
for God. And, and, and you say, well, again, that doesn't just make, it doesn't make sense to me. Like friendship or fear, you can't have both. You, you either are a friend of God or you fear God. Again, I'm not afraid of God, but I reverence God. Listen to what the Bible says. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. So the more you fear him, the more you honor him, the more you respect him, the more you stand in awe of him, the more intimate you become with him. In fact, with them, with who? With those who fear him, he shares the secrets of his covenant. He talks to people who fear him differently than he talks to people who don't. He'll open up the word. When you fear the Lord, when you open up the Bible, it'll come alive with, with scripture and passages that'll speak to your heart and change your life. The, the friendship of God is reserved for those who fear him. I wanna be a friend of God, therefore I must fear. And I, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's the same idea. Great are you, God, and greatly to be praised. There's nobody like you, God. There's no one above you. There's no one beneath you. There's no one beside you. You are great and greatly to be praised. You are worthy of my total surrender, absolute devotion, and complete being. You're everything. When, there's, when there is a reverence, when there is a respect with the people of God, the manifest presence of God is welcome and, and he can move in ways that the other would not. Here's another one. The manifest presence of God comes when there's unity, when unity is present. Are you getting anything out of this? Let me just go because we're going to worship Psalms 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in what? Say it, will you? In unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard. And a lot of that doesn't make sense to us. Down upon the collar of his robes, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. But, but here's the important thing. For there, for where? Where, where there's unity, where there's oneness, where there's, where there's one focus and one purpose. And there's different personalities and, and there's different ideas and there's different thoughts. But when the people are in agreement and then they're in one, where they want the presence of God more, more than they want anything else, when they're committed to following the word of God, when, when they're fearing the Lord, when there's oneness, there's blessing, even life evermore. What, I'm telling you, I feel like we're a unified church, but we gotta fight for unity. Like you, when, when somebody, if, if somebody... Uh, uh, does something to you to, to maybe mess, to offend you, to hurt you. I, we got to be quick to forgive and walk in grace. And, and we've got to confront, if a leader says something about you or, or not, they won't say anything about you, but if you perceive they've done something to you, you know, I've offended so many people, I didn't even know it. Like uh, two years later, I'll see somebody and they're still ticked at me. And I'm like, what do I do? And, and if you got an offense, you, you know what the Bible says? You go to that person. Like, and, and then I'm not, I don't want you to, I'm, I'm pre-counseling right now. I'm not, like there's no issues, right? I'm not trying to, to point this out. I'm just saying we gotta be careful about this. But you go to the person. You don't go to everybody else and, and murmur and complain and gossip and backbite and talk. That causes division. That, that causes disunity. No, no, you wanna create unity because you, because you, you, you covet the presence of God because you want the power of God to manifest in this place. So you go to them in private and you address this situation with the hope of reconciliation, not with the hope of proving you're right, but the hope of making forgiveness and becoming one again. 
Like this is important, it's vital. All throughout the Bible, the Bible speaks of being in unity and being in harmony, to lay down your preference for the good of the whole, to honor the leadership as people who who are not perfect and who don't get it right all the time, but who want to hear from God and are hungry for the presence of God. The Spirit of God was poured out in Acts chapter two when they were all in one accord. They were, they were walking as one. They were moving as one. They had the same mission. They had the same passion. And, 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 and they didn't focus on the, the minors. They majored on the majors. And, and, and they, they just went after God together, and God manifested his presence. You see how the omnipresence is not dependent necessarily on us. He's every, it's not. He's everywhere. But the manifest presence of God, it, it, it is to a degree. Here's another thing. Two more things. I'm done. Sin is renounced, and there's true repentance. Repent then, Acts 3.19 says, and turn to God. Repent means to turn from, to change your thinking. So you're going this way and, and God's way is that way that you turn from it and you go God's way. And you turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We can't, we, we can't have the manifest presence of God if we're casual, if we're complacent. If we're not fighting sin, if we're not resisting sin, again, I'm not talking about perfection. None of us are perfect. We've all fall, fallen and, and, and we'll probably continue to mess up. We will. But where there is a desire, where, where progress, perf- progress, not perfection is our goal. And we really want to please God and our attitudes and our heart are, are just are such that, that God, we want you. And when we sin, we repent. And, and we don't casually compromise our convictions and we don't cheapen God's grace and we pursue holiness and we resist sin and fight sin and flee from sin and we don't allow ourselves to be conformed to the, to the mold of this world. Do you know the Bible says we can grieve the Holy Spirit? Like, like it means to make him sorrowful. When we don't live a life when we're not pursuing holiness and righteousness and trying to adhere to his ways and, 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 and come under his authority and, and, and do what he says to do, it can grieve him, it can hurt him, and it can keep him from doing all that he wants to do in our midst. You know, First Thessalonians says you can quench the Holy Spirit. Listen, your lifestyle, your life, again, I don't want you, I don't want you to think I'm talking about perfection because I'm not. I want to keep drilling that down. Because, but I am talking about a, a, just a real pursuit of God. It, it can be like a fire extinguisher that, that, that just kills the presence of God. Or, or it can spark the presence of God. Like, like we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to live in such a way that the Holy Spirit is welcome in this house. That he wants to move in our midst. And then here's one more thing. The presence of God manifests where he is worshiped in spirit and in truth. Where, where he's worshiped. Here's what the Bible says, he inhabits. The word inhabits means to sit on or he's enthroned on. I want you to even get that word picture in your mind. Where there's praise, God sits on that. God, God shows us in, in John chapter four that the father is looking. You, you, many times people go, well, where's God? I can't sense God. I can't feel God. Well, I'll tell you what, you start worshiping and God will find you because the Bible says he's searching, he's looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, the Bible instructs us to, to sing and to give thanks and to rejoice and to humble ourselves and to lift up and to bless and to dance and to kneel and to clap and to lay before, to, the create, to, to do all this for the creator of the universe, to the one who's able and willing to forgive our sins, to the one who was and is and is to come. Here's what Paul said. At the name of Jesus, 
every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess. When, when we praise and worship God, it ushers in, the, he intensifies his presence. And, and listen, Chloril, we cannot apologize or minimize the importance that worship has in our services. It's a value of Cloverhill because the Bible says when we lift Jesus high, he'll draw all men unto himself. Here's the, the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere. But then there's the manifest presence of God. God is here. Like, I, I, that's what I want, don't you? I, I want to encounter him. I want to experience him. So, so you know what we got to do? We got to preach God's word with conviction, without compromise. We got to honor and respect and revere and have a holy fear of almighty God. We got to make every effort to get along and lay aside our own personal preferences and walk in unity and walk in harmony and walk in oneness of mind. We got to renounce sin and, and repent of sin and, and go after God. We, we got to be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit. And we got to worship Jesus. We got to give him our best. And listen, we're going to go into a time of worship. And I'm telling you, don't wait for your favorite song. You know what that is? That's called worshiping Worship. We don't worship worship. We worship, we worship Jesus. Like, like, look, I can worship God to greatest thy faithfulness, our graves in the gardens, because it's not about the song I'm singing, it's about the one I'm singing to. Worship, worship is the goal. Worship is not the goal. Worship is the means to usher in the manifest presence of God. The Bible says, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Glorify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name forever. Listen, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Praise the Lord tonight. Praise Him in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with a trumpet, with a harp. Praise Him with a tambourine. Praise Him with a dancing, with the strings and the flute. Praise Him with the cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath of Almighty God. Amen, everybody. Lord, we praise you today. God, we, we're grateful for the omnipresence, but we want the manifest presence of God. We want you to be here. We want to be aware of you now. We want you to come in your glory and in your splendor and your might. We want you to shake this place. We want you to change and transform us. God, we need you. More than anything, we need you. Will you pray that with me? Lord, we desire you. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Lord, I want to bless you. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Lord, I surrender my life. I surrender my will. Everything I have is you. Lord, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I bless you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Come on, before we sing a lyric, before we sing a song, let's use our voice to magnify the Lord. We magnify you. We praise you. Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people. We bless you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus.